Hi, Chad. Hi, Cameron. It's Chad and Cameron. That means it's Opinions Are Cheap with Chad and Cameron. Oh, man, I can't wait to hear our cheap-ass opinions for your broke-ass wallets. Boy. Boom. Look at us. We're being street. This is how we get more fans. We, what it is, motherfucker. I listened to a rap music once when I was 11. That's a true story. I was into rap a lot when I was in middle school. I wasn't. It scared me. I don't have enough. I remember when I worked, uh, this was back in 2012, 2013. I was working a job I didn't really care for, but I had like tons of downtime. Like I could listen to music all day. And to, to mix things up, at one point I started throwing my old rap albums onto my iPod and listening to them. Just to see how they held up or not. And the answer was largely no. Don't don't really care much for Nelly anymore or uh, Dr. Dre or Eminem. But the caveat to that is I prefer 90s rap to whatever is new now. I really like the attitude and like the, the way the beats were done. And so it was mostly a lyrical thing that I just don't care for anymore. I think I liked it a lot when I was younger because it had a lot of cursing in it, a lot of bad language. And I was like, oh man, look at me listening to the stuff my parents don't want me to listen to. But the sound is fine. And so that's where I'm there. Like, like Ice Cube, I think, put out a new album a couple years ago that was pretty good. And it was just like, oh, here's updated lyrics. I have, like, things to say, but in a 2017 environment or 2018 or whenever it came out. And I was like, there we, like this, is, this is what I can get, get by with. Never did go buy the album, probably should. That that's I like Chad's uh, views on rap music. I like to listen to parody music. I've noticed, and I like to listen to covers. And I feel like there's a lot of of uh, like songs and bands where I just I don't get into it. But then I'll find an interesting cover where they take a song that I don't like and then make me like it more. Hmm. Um. But sometimes I'll like I'll listen to something that I used to like. Oh, that was my jam five years ago. I haven't heard this song in forever. And I'll sit down and listen to it, and it's like, whoa, this didn't, this isn't actually good. I just liked it because it was different. Sure. Or like a Brennel Floss, he used to be funny. Okay. And I liked his songs. And I like, I'll, <laughs> the stuff he puts out now, it's not funny and it doesn't sound good. Brennel Floss? And it, yeah, and I'll go back in time, and it's like, well, I want to hear. I remember the good old days where he did Mega Man 2 boss theme or the DuckTales Moon song, and I'll listen to it, and the production value is kind of low, and it's like, oh, no. I think I enjoyed the comedy lyrics at the time, but they haven't actually aged, and they're not actually clever. This is 4 million views. Yeah, he's he's popular, and it's like, I don't know why anymore. He'll 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 rhyme words just because they rhyme. He won't work Obama into the lyrics. He just needs to make a pun off of how Mega Man's name is Rockman. So what if he said Barack Man Obama at one point? And then he'll just throw in the word llama because that rhymes with Obama. And it's not like there's a joke about politics or being a president or anything in the story mm-hmm. it's like a, a non sequitur well he has a cd on itunes 
And it's like, uh, yeah, I used to listen to that CD a lot. Like a lot. Like when I was in college, I would have that CD on while I study. And then it's like, oh, I haven't listened to Brunelfoss in forever. And I'll put it on, and it's like, oh, this isn't actually good. <laughs> Singles and EPs, compilations, albums. Wow, he's got a quite a few of them. 20 songs, 49 minutes. Are these free? Well, they're on YouTube. But I'm on iTunes, I don't see a price. I don't know then. But it's like, he'll he'll take a really good video game song and write lyrics to go to the song. Yeah, like the and Mega it'll be Man like, one. Yeah, and I, I like the Mega Man one, but at the same time, they're not clever lyrics. No, and like I said, the production value is not very great. It sounds like the the, the vocals don't... They sound way too overlaid with the, the, the instrumentals. They're not together. They're separate things. Yeah. And then the vocals are recorded with not a great mic. And it's like... Gotta run, gotta run now. Gotta run, gotta run now. Guy Smiley, gotta run, gotta run now. Bill O'Reilly. And it's like, that doesn't actually make sense. And the video's kind of funny because he's putting pictures of Bill O'Reilly on the screen. But there's no reason. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that comes of that. And it's like, it's uh, it's like 10, 10 year old now. Uh, LOL, it's random humor. I mean, how old was he when he made it? Because it came out in 2008. How old was so, he? Yeah, I mean, like, maybe that was just, like, you know, you some uh, I mean, like, mid-twenties. Oh. I don't know. I bet, like, the, the shit I made when I was in my mid-twenties was probably not great. Well, yeah, and it was also, like, back then, it was more entertaining. But I feel like humor has changed a little bit. Yeah. Humor is one of those things that just, like, constantly evolves really fast. And, and this doesn't age well. It's very time-locked. Yeah. So, oh, well. I guess, like, good on him for putting out a video that got 4 million views. Well, I don't know. Those like those like pregnant Spider-Man and Elsa eat chocolate poop videos get like 16 million views. That sounds like like abstract art. Who are you to to not say so? Uh, an art critic that watched it. Oh, okay. In an objective sense. There you go. Ah. Uh. <laughs> So you got you got any stories to share, Chad? Um, not really. Okay, I, that's well, cool. Do you know? Do you know anything about magnesium? Yeah. How it's like really not something you just want laying around the house. Yeah, totally. So it turns out there's a department at work that has like enough of it in the department to just like blow up a house, and it's just like kind of on the floor. Because it's a byproduct of what they do, and we haven't disposed of it properly, and it's just like, why is, why do you have like four pounds of magnesium on the floor? So where it could just explode. <laughs> not magnesium. Well, but it won't other, explode, but yeah, but there's this other chemical that we have at work that what we use it for isn't that volatile or anything, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people don't even realize how like important it is. But it's the kind of thing that. If someone wanted to make a dirty bomb, this would be a great way to do it. Sure. And, you know, we have, like, an auditor come by and say, hey, uh, that stuff that you could use to make a dirty bomb and kill the president, um, you're missing, like, a pallet load of it. Oh, God. And it's like, what do you mean we could make a bomb with it? It's like, yeah, that stuff that, like, the government keeps, you know, track of where it goes and it showed up at your receiving dock and now no one knows where it is. 
Oh. <laughs> let me mm. let me spend the day looking for it. And Did it's okay. It? Yes, yeah, someone left it out in the rain. So no bombs for you, Mr. President. I mean, that's good. You wouldn't want it to be found out in the rain. That feels like a... Oh, here's a fucking dumb thing that happened at work. So, like, a couple months ago, I'm in the maintenance department. I take... I, I handle a lot of the paperwork with our cars out. People can check out the company cars. These two guys take a car, and they drive a place, and they come back, and they lose the fucking binder with, like, the, the gas card, the gas credit card, all the paperwork in it. And they don't tell me. I just notice it's fucking missing, and I confront them. And they're like, oh, yeah, we lost it. So now that the snow is all melted, someone finds it out in a field way far away from where the car was parked. And it's like, okay, well, we don't need this anymore. We can throw it away. So he brings it into my office and throws it on the floor because it's fucking filthy wet and covered in mud. He didn't want to put it on my desk. He's like, I thought you might need this. And it's like, no, I, I, I don't. It's, it's literally garbage just on the floor making a stain now. It was like, well, there's a credit card in it. Yeah, we canceled that like four months ago. You can... I just, I don't get people. It's just like, why would you put this here? No, I have to throw it away and then wash my hands because they're gross now. Thank you. I don't know if that was a funny story or not, but it's a thing that happened this week. No, I was entertained. I'm so I'm between really, that I'm... and like the magnesium that could blow the plant up, I've been I've been busy. Yeah. Uh, I'm so tired. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm almost done with so, my album. Oh yeah, you're getting you're getting good on that. Yeah, oh, so my vacation starts today. Oh really? Um, so I want to dedicate some of my free time to just like sitting down and like cranking out that album art. Yeah, I really like what you showed me. I'm really excited. My brother's basically finished the the logo. So between the three of us, I'm gonna have like two thirds of it's gonna be good, and then the music's gonna be shit. Well, that's the and I'm, that's the third that you want to be good. No, no, no. This is fine. This is working as intended. <laughs> I'm actually pretty happy with how the songs are sounding. Like I listened to the full thing as an album twice, and I made some changes, and I got to do it one more time, and just kind of mess with the panning on the crashes, just because they're a little little too far panned one way and the other, uh, to the point where it's not super comfortable to listen to. But once I fix that, I think it'll be good, unless one of my friends with actual good speakers thomas or your brother matt they both have samples like tell me i'm doing something super wrong did you did you watch uh a black mirror um bandersnatch no did you watch minecraft story mode edition no okay do you know what either of these things are i have no idea okay you know a choose your own adventure book yes so they make those on netflix now Really? Yeah, so like you're watching an episode of Black Mirror, and then some guy, like he walks by him and goes, Hey, what are you looking at? I'm British. And then there's a button you can push where it's like, should the, should the main character punch this guy or not? And it changes the story. How have I not heard of this? I I don't know. I'm Honestly, I'm a little surprised you didn't. I'm just wondering, when do we get to choose your own adventure music where like you choose when the beat drops? That's a weird question. I feel like I feel like it's possible though. I mean, like, there's so many like. Well, there's like toys. I've I've played games yeah. where it's like here's kind of music-y sounding things. It's not really a song, but you can work in more 
drum solos or you can work in mm-hmm. more treble or whatever. And I kind of feel like somebody out there, like we need a, a Kanye West or somebody to dedicate way too much free time to a well-crafted version of this. It would be pretty cool. That's a gimmick and the gimmick sells and no one can recreate it and, and it dies with that one attempt. Yeah. But I want to see that one attempt. No, no. Yeah, that, that's fair. That'd be kind of neat. It would be it would be interesting because it would it's one of those modular things that would get really popular on YouTube because people are like this is my choose your own adventure for this song, and you'd have some people would choose the drop like right away they'd be like I want to hear I want to hear it break down right now. Other people would be like I'm gonna wait 20 minutes for it to break down. You're gonna listen to my 20 minute song and then you get the breakdown, and then some asshole's gonna do it for an hour and he's gonna loop it and be like listen to this for 10 hours straight and it'll get four million views. I love the way music is handled in some video games where they'll they'll assign like certain instruments to certain characters where you only hear that track while someone's on screen. Sure. So like your party composition changes the soundtrack or other stuff like that. I um, wish I noticed stuff more of, of that kind of stuff more because I largely don't. It's just not on my... Do you like that stage on Smash Brothers? I listen the to... New Dunk City? Sure. With the music. Well, so the thing is, when I play Smash Brothers with my brother, we we usually turn the music off, and then I I put my iPod on the docking station. And we oh. just listen to that. Did Did you ever play um, Mario Odyssey? No. So when you get to New Dunk City, there's a quest to find all of the bandmates, and you have to find all these different musicians, and then we put them together. You get that song from the trailer. Okay. So the level in Smash Brothers, if uh, you, like there's the random music, but if you get that uh, jump up superstar song for that stage, then in the background the musicians are hiding at different sections of the sti- of the skyscraper. Well, that's cool. So you have to run over and like touch them, and then it adds their instrument to the music track. Hmm. So as you're playing the game, there's kind of this mini game to finish the song before you end. And it's neat because it it's not just the song on loop. It's like as the fight goes on, it builds up and gets bigger. That's cool. Where it's kind of like it complements the gameplay in a very like silly novelty way that's also in- entertaining and enjoyable. Sure. Nintendo's good at little details like that. Sometimes. I know the me and my brother started working on the next game, largely him. One of the things we've talked about is like it would be fun... If we had, like, an idle animation where you leave, you leave the character sit for a bit and he pulls out, like, a lute or, like, an old-timey guitar and just kind of, like, strums along with the background music. Like, that, those kinds of details I think people really appreciate. And if you do the art style in a certain way where you can do that easily or you make music a certain, you know, use chord progressions that are easy to do that, too. It's pretty doable, right? Like, I think, I think little details like that, you know, like... You're making a game, and you're like, here's all the big things we should definitely focus on. Here's also some dumb shit, like, 10% of the player base might find. You you talk about both equally, for some reason. Well, you know, polish is a super important part of a game. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's the kind of stuff that it does not matter, except, like, well, Kirby... Every time Kirby comes in contact with a solid object, there's a cute little star that, like, bounces off. Oh, and yeah. if there was a single Kirby game that didn't have that, you'd kind of get bored and you wouldn't know why. Sure. Because something would be missing and it's just it's bland. 
it's <laughs> and and again same thing in smash brothers like that happens in smash brothers and it's a kind of detail that hardcore kirby fans would get upset about if they took out mm-hmm. um i'm kickstarting a game or backing a game where it's uh it's kind of like a clone of pokemon and it looks like a game boy game oh cool and the novelty is that you can actually crossbreed pokemon so like the like the head and the body will carry over and there's like these like fusion kind of monsters. Oh nice. So you can kind of customize and get your own strong monster by like getting your favorite parts and and just force them together. And it it looks like an actual good game. I'm watching the development and it's like, you know, I didn't put much money into it, but I kind of wish you'd reopen it and I could chip in a couple more dollars cuz it's looking really good. Sure. And uh, I was watching a stream where he's, like, showing off what he has so far because it's getting almost done. And he's taking questions and stuff. And, and somebody asked him, like, like, oh, what's your favorite Pokemon game? And, and he's like, well, the old ones. And he's like, well, are you going to see Detective Pikachu? He's like, no. And it's interesting where he doesn't care about Pokemon the franchise. He enjoys, like, Pokemon Red the game. And that's what's inspiring him. Sure. You know? And I thought that was very interesting because if you look up Pokemon stuff anywhere else, it's like here's my uh, here's my cringy uh, new age Pokemon persona character, and here's like lore from the movies and these legendaries and stuff. And it's like that's not what I get into Pokemon for. Sure, but it's little details. Like I'm trying to. Th- I know there's stuff in Pokemon that's a little detail. Like, talking about polish. Well, it's like when the grass bends as you walk over it. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it's a little animation thing that you don't really have to put in there. But that's a very vivid memory to me. (laughs) Because there's only so many pixels on the screen, so you notice every little thing that happens. remember reading this guy who used to write for Kotaku, uh, Tim Rogers. He would talk about stuff like that, and he would... I think he would describe it as, like, sticky friction. And it's just, like, the way... The little details where you interact with the world that make it really feel like you're interacting with the world. And how, like, those are really, really important for just, even the, like, just walking through grass to make it feel like you're actually there, like, walking through grass. Like, your movement has an effect, even if it's just moving left or right. And Oh, uh, Hollow Knight. Have you played that? No, but my brother's run through it a couple times. So... When they first released, like, a beta kind of thing, and they, they had people testing it, they said unanimously every single beta tester came back with the same feedback, that they were disappointed that you don't cut the grass when you run up to it and cut it. Oh, really? And they, like, the first couple, they're like, oh, yeah, I guess we could do that. Like, the grass doesn't do anything, so we didn't think about, like, why you'd want to remove it. Mm-hmm. But then after, like, 50 people all said the same thing, they're like, oh, this is really important, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> they program that in, and now you can, like, break everything in the background. Because it's like, there's something about it where it's a very satisfying, quick swing of your sword. Sure. And then there's tall grass right there, and it's like, if you've ever played a video game, your first instinct is to look for rupees over there. Yep. And so when you can't interact with it, it becomes disappointing really fast. One of the things that we kind of got away with the land of glass because it, the tr- the gameplay is super non traditional, and so we didn't have to add things like that because it just it wouldn't be supported in how the game plays. Like as long as it took us to make that game, we really kind of had it distilled down to like here's the things we need to focus on because this is how you interact with the environment and it's very simple. Um, and with the game we're making now or want to make now, 
we're definitely going to have to think about that a lot more because it's a quite a bit more traditional in terms of how you play. Which is exciting because it's there's more of a blueprint for how to do it right, right? Like, I understand, like, oh yeah, if we have grass, we should be able to cut it because it feels good to do. And you're not making everything up as you go, which is what we've kind of had to do with Atlantic Glass because it's just such a weird card game. Yeah. No, I totally get that. Which people should still go buy because it's cool, you bitches. Is it? Is it on the Epic Store? No. Epic Fail. Ah, oh, there you go. That, yeah. That's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> it's one of those things, oh, a new store comes along. Should we try and get it on there? Part of me is like, yeah. Part of me is like, my brother literally has to do all the work for that. <laughs> and I I don't know. I'd rather work on the shiny new thing. Yeah, shiny new things are fun. We're, we're kicking ourselves because we finished DLC for the Land That Glass like six months ago. We still don't have it rolled out because we just like haven't. We have to download some shit that's annoying to download to get it to go out to people on Steam, but we gotta beta test it first, and there's just lots of annoying little things to do that no one wants to do. You should, um, you know how every indie game has Shovel Knight as a guest character? Yeah. You should put out an ad that says, does not include Shovel Knight. That's a really good idea. What are they gonna do? Sue you for being correct? Remember that, uh, the parody song you did for The Land of Glasses based on the uh, Beverly Hillbillies? No. You did this like two years ago. And I'm pretty sure I still have it on my computer. Well, I remember doing it, but I don't remember a single like aspect of it. I really am tempted to, as far as DLC like goes, like baking the trailer for it, cutting it to that song. Because <laughs> I feel like there's a better chance of it going viral if I do that than people actually giving a shit <laughs> if I cut it to a song from the land of class. Come and listen to my story about a land o' glass A magical world full of glowing folks and sass And then one day, while everything felt tame A magic portal opened and the monsters came Real-time strategy Deck building Well, the first thing you know, you've gotta save the day Every new challenge gives more cards to cut the way The folks of the world ask, will you save me? So they loaded up the truck and moved to Beverly Heels, that is. Swimming pools. Movie stars. The Land of Glass. Starring Buddy Epson, Irene Ryan, Donna Douglas, Max Bayer, with Chad Waller as Granny. Sponsored by Winston Cigarette. Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. My thought process is maybe not incorrect there, right? Like, <laughs> and I'm actually planning on buying um, Premier Elements this weekend. I got my tax return finally, and I'm like, okay, I got programs to purchase. So we'll see if I end up doing that or not. Well, on the topic of game design, do you want to start today's topic? Wait, <laughs> today have a topic? Cause... Yeah, I, I've been planning this all week. Oh. I want to talk about game design. Okay. Uh, so so your brother asked if I wanted to run a D&D game. Yes. And your brother's name is Joe. Yes. So I, I was like, hey, Joe, sure. That's the story. Nope, that is the story that happened. I was there. So There's a bit more I've to the story. I've been thinking about it. Yeah, and I haven't, I haven't like, started writing it yet. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's one of the things I kind of want to do on my vacation. I'm going to go on a drive. I'm going to go rent a hotel out. I'm going to stay in all 42 rooms and write this story. Okay. And, um, and I got ideas, but I haven't like touched it yet. But I realized this is my favorite part of a game is starting the writing process and the structure and everything. Because mm-hmm. writing a D&D campaign is very interesting for me because there's a... There's a very deliberate attempt on my part to not railroad into a single narrative. Sure. So it's about planting seeds that can all come to fruition regardless of the random element of the players. Okay. And I thought it might be fun to kind of walk through the nature of writing a D&D game. Yeah, lay it on me, because I remember when we were talking about that uh, when we were playing Overwatch the other day, and I'm not going to spoil the campaign because... To me, it's a great idea, but it involved vampires. And you said oh, that... Oh, you don't want to talk about it? I mean, it's your idea, so if you want to talk about it, you can. But you said that, I immediately wanted to write a story involving that idea, because I thought it was fucking amazing. Oh, it's funny. I'm happy with this, and it's basically a joke. So I don't really mind if somebody takes it and does something interesting with it. You say that, and I can type really fast, so... So my idea really... Um, I, I did a campaign for Richard and my brother, and it was just, it was centered on the two of them, and they had this fun Laurel and Hardy kind of back and forth thing going on, and it was a really fun campaign. We had a lot of good times with that. Um, eventually, like, that kind of stopped, and we took a break, and I was kind of wondering, like, if we had the opportunity to, what would the next game be? Like, do we want to just pick up where we left off, or just start over? And I had this idea where instead of having them start at, like, level two and doing, like, traditional stuff, what if we got away from the mold? Mm-hmm. And that led to they should both be, like, max level 30 vampires that are just, like, two guys that are lazy and they are, like, in their castle for a thousand years. And they have no idea what's outside their castle because they haven't been outside in that long. And that's literally just the premise and it's up to them to decide if they even want to bother going outside or not. I love that idea so much. And I feel like that's so it's so open-ended and stupid. Cuz to me, the premise would be that they're out of weed and they have to go get more weed and they've spent a thousand years. So not only they have to figure out how to buy weed, where to get it, how the world has changed, but they have to get a thousand years worth of weed. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like how do we buy a field of marijuana? In the year 20, 2019. And they go out and it's just like, what are cars? Hey, cars, do you have a marijuana? I, and I like the idea of, um, like, Harold and Kumar being Dracula's. Yes! Oh my god, it's so good. Or Dracula and Nosferatu go to White Castle. Mm-hmm. And then they just eat everybody in White Castle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I want to write this so bad. It's so funny. So yeah, I I like when things are interesting and different. Um, there's that kind of traditional D and D thing. Like there's a vibe you get from a official book, sure, and an official campaign, and it kind of like hits that. But my favorite campaigns are the the resource books that get away from the setting, and it's like here's a completely different setting on a different planet where it's like Mad Max rules and everything's sand and fire. And magic is outlawed, and very few people have magic, and very few people have metal, 
like steel is the most valuable mineral in the world. And it's like, there's a lot of things that take the traditional tropes and just like turn it a little bit askew so that you have to have a different approach to some things. Yeah. I, I don't know how like, you come up with this concept. I'm just like, you should really write long form fiction because I really, I really <sighs> think you have the mind for it. Yeah. It's just a pain in the ass. Cause it's a lot of work. Well, so that's that's why I started that comic where the characters don't look good, so they're easy to draw. Yeah, I like that comic. I'm done. Like I'm almost like a hundred pages in already. Am I caught up? I don't think I am now. Um, you might be missing a couple pages, but they're like mid conversation, so I'll I'll send it to you in a bit. Okay. I need to make a oh, an account on that website so I can comment on stuff. Be like, hey, Cameron, I read your stuff on here. You should um just call everyone the N word. I could do that. I'm not going to, but I could. You could. I have the power. And should. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyways, I wanted to talk a little bit, because I, I, another idea I shared with you is um, not D&D, but I want to make my own setting and like my own tabletop fantasy world game. Yes. And the idea I keep coming back to is like, what if all the player characters were angels? on a celestial kind of plane. Yep. And I don't know how much I talked to you about this stuff. We've covered it a bit on and off, but I might have been drunk some of the time, so we can just pretend I don't know anything about it. So I like the idea of... it. Basically, everyone's kind of a magical being to some extent. Mm-hmm. And they're on a level playing field because they're all that way. Okay. But there'd, there'd be ties to things. Like, there would be a mortal realm... And they gain power from, like, support and worshippers in the mortal realm. But they're also, like, their plane would be a different, um, like, it processes time differently. So, like, there might be an angel that's empowered by the primal days, and they kind of have, like, caveman powers and, like, tribal worshippers. Okay. Versus, like, a more modern age, like, techno angel. That's from, like, a future state where everybody has cell phones. They're powered by money. Yeah. And it would be kind of... It's, it's the sort of thing I'm, I'm I'm barely fleshed it out. Sure. I'm trying to... <laughs> I have an idea, and I want to kind of piggyback off of um, concepts, and then what would actual, like, gameplay elements be, and have the two things feed back and forth into, like, a yo-yo. Okay. Where I think about, like, how is this part important to gameplay? And then, is that fun? How do we build on it with the lore? Like, what motivates these characters? Like, what's at stake? What do they actually want? Um, yeah, I feel like the, kinda... the pigeonhole for using angels is, like, do they fight demons or do you have them fight something else? At one point, and that's that's a good question. At one point, how I envision this is kind of like World of Warcraft, where there's just two clear sides. Okay. And there's basically, um, there's angels that are empowered by material, and there's angels that are empowered by element. And, like, the element would be the cliched, um, like, Christian heavenly kind of angels. Okay. And it'd be, like, wind and ice and sunlight. And then the material would be, um, like, fire and gold and, like, cliche demon evil things. Sure. But narratively, it wouldn't be good versus bad. 
Yeah. It's just it's their nature, you okay. know. Uh I don't know if I like that idea or not because I feel like that works better in a a multiplayer video game versus a D&D setting. Yeah, I feel like you'd have to be really careful with how you present it or it's just going to feel like angels and demons but you're using different vernacular. Yeah, which is also a a tired cliche that comes up a right. lot. So that's the other thing. I'm trying to make this feel unique cuz I just like the visual of like a character who's like a heroic paladin with armor and big wings. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't want to invoke Christian themes necessarily. And I don't want to invoke um, Diablo 3 concept art. You know what I mean? I don't know how familiar you are are with uh, Paradise Lost by uh, John Milton. But there's a bit in there where they're talking about how God's creating everything. And he mentions, like, there's, like, the material stuff, and then there's just, like, chaos. And he, like, renders chaos into the material stuff. And I always like the idea of you have angels and demons, and then you have like this third thing, and it's just like chaos monsters, and all they want to do is render everything back into like pure entropy. And so they're not on anybody's side; they're just like these giant fucked up things that want to destroy everything because their nature is they thrive on nothingness, or they thrive on complete randomness, or whatever you want to, however you want to call it. Right. So I always like the idea of like. Instead of angels versus demons, you have angels and demons, like, teamed up by basically necessity to fight this third thing that is the byproduct of creation. You know, like, you create something, and you you accidentally create this thing that wants to undo everything you've done, because the general nature of, of life is, is uh, randomness. And so you, you, you play off of that, where it's like you have... You have one angel A, angel B, and they're fighting the thing that wants to make everything not exist. And I've, I've I haven't really I've never concepted that further than basically the spiel I just gave you, but it is an idea I've held on to for a while that I feel like could be used somewhere, and maybe it would help you. Yeah, and that's the kind of stuff that I sort of play with. Is that I, I feel like with um with Dungeons and Dragons, it's just the standard for tabletop games. Typically, it feels like an MMO where it's a player versus environment kind of thing, where you're gonna make heroic but relatively mundane characters, and they're gonna be put up against very large enemies, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be a dragon or a minotaur. Or a couple vampires or something. And it's always like the wizard has a spell and the warrior has a sword. But the intent is that you're kind of, you're limited and it's kind of an underdog thing that you overcome. Sure. Now, what's fascinating me is I'm learning about other tabletop games. How familiar are you with Vampire the Masquerade? I've heard the title before. So, it's interesting because there's there's a lot of like very heavy rules of how vampires work in this setting, and it's kind of like depending what generation you are, um, you're kind of weak. You know, it's a it, it's a game where you start at level one and you can get better, mm-hmm. as a, you know functionally it would have to be. 
but ultimately you're stronger than any human being. Like sure. you're going to have some kind of superpower that gives you like a sense of power and strength, even at the beginning. And it's balanced in an interesting way with downsides. And the downsides are things like you can't be in sunlight and stuff like that. And you need to drink blood and stuff like that. But one of the things that doesn't happen in the video game is like how serious those downsides are. Like in a like sunlight's lethal within minutes. Okay. You know, it's like you have to stay somewhere dark during day and it's non-negotiable. And like you're so afraid of fire that you could be hanging out with somebody and then they like light a cigarette and they're smoking a cigarette and you have to do like a a willpower save to not have a panic attack. Mhm. Because they could like if they just like stuck you with the cigarette, it would floor you with the pain that you experience. And it's stuff like that where I don't know, I feel like it reels in the power trip. Yeah. But it doesn't take away from the power trip. I feel like that's got to be really important with this, right? Because everyone rolling like their Mary Sue fa- uh, fanfic Sasuke, I don't know how that could be fun. You just overcome everything super easily. Like the, to me the whole right. point of a story, the whole point of an adventure is to be the underdog or be really stupid it'd be powerful like like there should be some kind of trade-off yeah and and that's a game design thing that i've always wondered about is like how do you make a game excuse me how do you make a game where you're the strongest one and it's still interesting mm-hmm. and i i think i talked about like my idea for a superman game oh uh... where uh like you're you're literally as strong as superman is in the comics and you're fighting bank robbers. So it's like there's not really a fail state. Sure. Except you get dinged for collateral damage. And you get dinged for casualties. And like civilians that get hurt. Um, You can like accidentally kill the bank robbers by hitting them too hard. Like if they gave you all the tools to do everything Superman can do. How, how effectively would you restrain yourself? The idea of like being perfect, right? Because Superman is supposed to be perfect, right? And it's like you could, it's like you hear that there's a bank robbery on the other side of Metropolis, so you could like run as fast as a bullet, but you'll like hit cars mid traffic, and you could like run through the building and stop the bank robbers, but you like destroy the bank safe, mm-hmm. and you get a C rank. And if you wanted to just like it's a power trip, I can't. Oh, dude, I can just run through the building, and you could have fun playing around with that. Yeah. Um, and you could clear the game and you'll get a C rank. But then we sit down and it's like, oh man, you you know, if you hold this button to slow down and then you do the thing where you like you just try to like talk them out of the bank robbery and that's the only way to get the S rank on this mission. And it's like I, I think it would be interesting to be given Superman's uh predicament there. <laughs> this sounds like it could be like an interesting visual novel. Where like it, basically it's a puzzle game. You gotta figure out how to navigate these situations. Yeah, that might through, actually be a, um, a really good execution of that. Yeah, like pictures and, and, and uh, choose-your-own-adventure-style things. Because I, I don't know how well it would work as a gameplay thing. You could, I mean, you could make it work. You could make anything work. You just have to put a lot of work into it. Where I feel like as a bare-bones kind of visual novel, that could be pretty cool. Because it's largely just a thought experiment, uh, but an elaborate one. Yeah. 
but it makes me think about like strength and power and and like you said there's a lot of um like you have to kind of feel powerless in some situations and you have to feel kind of weak or restrained in a way mm-hmm. because that becomes satisfying to overcome things what well, makes you think of like uh the hobbit where uh bilbo is talking to a dra- i think it's in the hobbit he's talking to a dragon and the dragon can eat him and so they play riddles and it's like can I outsmart the dragon? Because if I can't, he will eat me. But I can turn invisible, and I can maybe, you know, trick him. Because at the end of the day, dragons are vain, like people. And, you know, just like, Bilbo fighting the dragon isn't fun or interesting. It's stupid. But Bilbo tricking a dragon is fun. And so, yeah, it comes down to how do you, you know, you have these characters that are really powerful, like vampires or whatever. How do you give them challenges where being powerful, being a vampire, doesn't help them overcome the challenge? Right. And I like that idea because it's just different, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of weird how... Uh, I, I, I still don't understand how people call um, Rey from Star Wars a Mary Sue because really she's just every Star Wars character. Right. And it it's fair to maybe say that she just sort of magically is good at everything, but that's every Star Wars character. Sure. And people get all like uppity that the character's too strong. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes me wonder, like, I don't think I've ever seen something where the character's so strong that it's boring, except for Superman. And then when you contextualize, you know, how difficult it might be to be Superman and think about it in a different way it becomes more interesting to me. Sure. I would say I've run into the character so powerful it's boring and um, a book called A Wizard's First Rule, which is a uh, sort of truth book by Terry Goodkind and also one of the worst novels I've ever read. And there's a lot of really shitty fantasy cliches in there because... Terry is a self-professed, I don't read other books, especially fantasy. I don't write fantasy. I just write stories with a fantasy setting. So he he reuses tropes and cliches that he thinks he's, like, inventing because he's a dumbass. But he gives this guy a sword that can cut through anything if he's angry. And so then the character just gets angry, kills everybody. Then he has to, like, rationalize how he's right for being angry. And he's still the good guy. And there's all this, like, really awful libertarian politics in there and stuff. It's just a dreadful series of books but it comes down to like oh of course he's going to get through it because he's the author insert character who is politically right and has a weapon that can literally kill anything because it's magic so there's that (laughs) I feel like anime probably has a lot of like shitty boring powerful characters dude Bleach is so bad about that yeah Bleach is Bleach introduces characters that are so powerful that they could like kill everyone with the blink of an eye, and then like a season later, they're just irrelevant. You know what's really good about that power scale is um, have you seen Mob Psycho? No. So Mob Psycho is great because the main character Mob is basically the strongest psychic in the show. But his thing is, is he basically he realizes that being a psychic isn't going to make him friends. What make will make him friends, what will make him popular, is if he tries harder to better himself through normal ways. And so he like joins a fitness group 
and he works out. Like he could he could lift the entire school with his psychic powers, but he will do push ups instead. Because that's like this tangible thing that people will respect him for more in the long run. Because it's part of his character, it's not part of his like superpower abilities. And so the whole show is like him trying to navigate this world where he can see spirits and he can exercise ghosts. But what he really wants to be is like normal and in, in well-liked in a very normal sense. He doesn't want to use his psychic powers to make himself popular. He wants to become a better person. And it, it really works with the whole, like, he's so powerful, like, most of the encounters he's in are trivial. But it's it's not what he's focused on. It, it He cares not for that because it doesn't matter. And it's a really, really cool show uh, in terms of how it handles that kind of, like, power creep. Power creep is really weird. I I don't know how to... It, it, Star Wars has, like, a reverse power creep where things hmm. in the prequels are, like, way out there compared to stuff in the original trilogy. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and it's like the movie's released in sequel and they ramp up. But when you look at the story, if you watch episode one and then episode four, and it's like, what's going on? It's it's an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, I was I was thinking about these other games where, like MMOs, it's important to balance everything because the player character is going to see a hundred other player characters. So you have to balance that act mm-hmm. of your character feeling important and you feel a sense of progress and pride in what you did. But also, like, canonically, you didn't stop the Lich King. And it's a sure. it's a tough balance to, you know, reward you for doing something cool. But also, everyone else didn't do that. Even though they did, but don't look at that. Did you see the latest uh, cinematic they put out? There's like a pet peeve of mine. Um, you know how games kind of handle stealth by just making a character like turn transparency to level ninety, and it's magic. Yep. So this yep. is how stealth works in D and D, and this is how I always took it in Warcraft. They're not literally turning invisible. That that's like representative that okay. no one has sensed their presence. So sure. it kind of bugs me when they'll do official art where a character's turning invisible. And then in this in this new cinematic yeah, I suppose. the characters literally just turn invisible. Like they're X Men or something. Like it's, okay, a like it's a superpower, and it's like if that was literally their superpower, the, the it's like the whole that changes the whole world for me. If you can just if yeah if a Warcraft rogue like you you think about your level one dwarf, that it's like well if I equip two daggers I can literally turn invisible. I feel like anybody could learn to do that, and then these characters that need to go into hiding should just all become rogues by holding two daggers and turning invisible. You know what I mean? It's like, it's it's yeah. kind of the same as like how mages can just make portals that teleport everywhere, and it's like, why would anyone travel at all? There would just be like a mage network of portals. Um, there shouldn't be mm-hmm. horses. 
just teleport the cargo there. So you have to not think about it too hard, but because this one scene would look cool, let's have Portal. Yeah, I don't, uh, it's been a while since I've played, but I never really put a lot of thought into the fact, like, was I invisible or just hard to sense? I guess I, I never got into, like, the narrative as much yeah, as Yeah, that, that's though. the thing. I take this, <laughs> I play games differently than how some people play them. And for some people, they're used to magically turning invisible as a superpower. And when they watch this trailer, they're like, wow, that that undead rogue turned invisible just like I do. And it's like, I don't want to play mm-hmm. with you anymore. I'm calling my mom. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I played a druid, so I, I stealthed a lot in World of Warcraft. Right, but it's the same way how a tiger stealths in real life because it has stripes. And when it stands in tall grass, you cannot see it there. Right. It's not a magic power that, like a chameleon. But the thing is, is like, the way the gameplay works, it, you are like invisible to people. Yeah. And so it, it's hard to uh, separate the the narrative lore versus the gameplay to it. You know, the ludo-narrative dissonance, I think, is what it's called. It's just a lot less important in World of Warcraft than it is in like something like The Last of Us, which is a very narrative-heavy game. Yeah. Oh, so I wanted to talk about the other um, stupid idea I had for a game. Okay. Um. So I'm, uh, the angel thing is like too complicated for its own good, and that's kind of the fun of trying to solve it. Mm-hmm. This is a little more simple, but I feel like it has that same power creep problem. I want to make a game, or at least a setting, where the player character is like a big old dragon, like Smaug. Okay. And what would be interesting for the dragon to do? Like, how do you write a game about that? And I feel like... That's a good idea. Yeah, and, and it's like, in D&D, typically, dragons just want a place to roost. And mm-hmm. they maybe they collect power or, or money, but typically, it's like they want to sleep somewhere. They're like giant cats who like gold. Yeah, sort of. So, it would be interesting to me to, to write something where, like, you as a big old dragon just want to find gold... And you want to protect your gold. Mm-hmm. So it either means staying in your cave and like it's a wave-based thing where adventurers keep coming to steal your gold. That'd be pretty fun. Or how do you... That'd be a really fun video game. Holy well, shit. Yeah. Or how do you like... You're a huge noticeable thing flying through the sky. Like if you want to go out and look for gold... I feel like it's a it's one of those power trip things where it's like you could just kill dudes with your fire breath or whatever, but what if there's like a whole army? Yeah. Or what if there's a kingdom and they got giant like trebuchets and stuff that could shoot you out of the sky? And like how would you Man. how would you navigate that? If you if you made this as a game and called it like fuck off humans, you'd get an article on Kotaku. I, I don't sure. want an article on Kotaku. I, I think this would be really fun. It'd be really easy to make. It's like a global game jam game. Yeah, but I want a That's cool one. Uh, see, I'm dude, sorry. this is what this is what irked me with uh, with Scalebound. Remember that Xbox game that got canceled? Yeah. Where it's like, here's a cool dragon, and this other dragon shows up, and you get to play as this boy that's a friend, and watch mm-hmm. the dragons mm-hmm. fight. And it's like, no, I want a game where I'm a dragon. Why is the only game where you're a dragon like fucking Spyro? Uh, they made one where you're a big dragon. Uh, one of those, uh, 
it's that strategy game where there's like a bunch of them. D- Divinity, Super Divinity, mm. D- Divine something. There was the Divinity game where you, the player character, is a big old dragon. Okay. And it's kind of like a strategy game, like Risk, where you're trying to like take over a country. And you can like make these alliances with other clans. So it's like you can reach out to the elves and say, I'll fight for you elves, but I want my land. Or you reach out to the, the undead kingdom or whatever. And the gameplay was terrible. I really hated it. I felt like there was no strategy. The parts where you play as the dragon were super boring. But narratively... It was what I want, where you're a big dragon, and that's equal to some of these other clans, like, whole army. And Top eight games where you play as a dragon. And I love the idea of, like, have, you know, that power trip that you would want out of being, like, big and formidable. And then what mm-hmm. do you want with that power? And what are your limits, really? I feel like Panzer Dragoon doesn't count. You're, you're riding on a dragon, but you're actually a person. Yeah, uh, same thing with Lair. Yeah. I like the idea of uh, of something where like it's a dragon and his ghost friend, but the ghost is annoying, but the dragon can't get rid of him. And the dragon's going to live forever, and the ghost is going to be around forever because he's a ghost. They're just like stuck with each other. Like they're haunting the same cave kind of thing. And you just get this, you know, like, most powerful thing you could think of, literally dead, <laughs> can't do anything but maybe speak. You know, what What do you do with those kind of personalities? Oh, I like, um, I like how they put in, like, playable dragons in Fire Emblem, and they make them very boring and stupid. I've only ever played, like, one Fire Emblem game, and there was we no played Smash Brothers that you could play as. Oh, yeah. Checking okay, mate. so I'm reading these uh, the 11 video games where you play as Dragon. And then I scroll down and it just uh, immediately goes to the next article. 11 video game characters with autism. It's just a big old picture of Symmetra. <laughs> no, really? This is games journalism. I just found... Yeah, this is gamerproblems.net, yeah, which is... Jesus, that's a, that that that's a bad. Oh my God, this is an actual, actual thing. And I feel like some of these are actually like speculative, and they don't actually know what autism is. Well, they have a disclaimer policy at the top of their page. So if I click on that, where does that take me? This page isn't redirecting properly. No fucking shit. I have a feeling this is maybe a bad site. Yeah. I'm not... <laughs> oh boy. This is stupid. So anyways, game design's fun. I wanted to talk about how I make a D&D game. And we never got to that part. This is true. We're also at 55 minutes. So I want to talk a little bit about outlining. Because um, this is kind of just a tip for anybody out there that maybe wants to run a game or run a game differently. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my short version of the story is I like to have an outline that has sub-outlines in it. And this, okay. is, this is how I mentally compartmentalize this process. But basically, uh, an important part of game design is um, giving the players a sense of accomplishment and something to strive for. 
and with a very open-ended D&D game, people might decide they want money or they want the fun of killing things or they want to solve the riddle. And you're not sure what the players are going to want. So what I like to do is there's a start point of uh, maybe where the characters meet or how they meet or why they would work together. And then way down the road, you put uh, the ultimate MacGuffin endpoint. Yep. And there's typically like they got to find a treasure in a dungeon that a dragon's going to be protecting. But then what makes that interesting? So then you like you bounce it back, not all the way to the beginning of the outline, but what if somebody was like, oh, you have to help us find a thing because of something. And I don't even know where to start looking. So now the players have to figure out something that they would want to do to find where it's at. Okay. So you push that part back and you think about where where would that MacGuffin be? Like, would it be interesting if it was um, like in the hands of an evil wizard or lost and it's at the bottom of the ocean or something? And it's like you want to like yo-yo back and forth or pendulum swing, I guess. And almost right at the beginning and the end uh, and work towards the center. But that center part is going to be the most open-ended and the least concrete. Makes sense. Because that's, that's where the player variable comes in. And you have to be flexible as they make decisions and then write around that stuff in a way that realistically will come back to the ending without railroading or forcing a specific narrative. Sure. You know what I mean? It's like a compromise between railroading and being open-ended. And this is why the lost finale was disappointing, was they didn't take my <laughs> advice. No, that makes sense. But that's how I do it. Yeah, this is... Uh... Did Did you and Joe ever figure out what you, what you want to do? Um... What, what class do you want to be, Chad? I don't, I don't really... I mean, I'm kind of like waiting to know what the setting is before I pick anything. I don't want to be powerful, well, I guess, is my thing. Um, it's Dungeons and Dragons, and we're all going to start at level one. Okay. But that's not a setting. Because you can play so, D&D and have Naruto characters. It's going to be, um... It's going to be Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> like, uh... Did, did you get the book... Yeah, Joe's in it to me. I haven't read it yet. So, if you just read all the classes you can pick from, picture a world where all of those are valid classes. Okay. And the setting is going to focus on the assumption that there is such a thing as wizards. Okay. And they're commonplace. Do I want to play a wizard, but like a really shitty wizard? So, my favorite wizard is Jim Dark Magic. <laughs> I like that name. And this is the that's the Penny Arcade guy. Okay. And his whole idea was he wanted to have, like, he picked the sorcerer class, but his idea was that he would only pick um, the spells that are flashy and interesting and not actually practical for battle. Okay. And the the premise is that he's kind of like um, a stage magician. Sure, like okay. A, like Mind Freak or whatever. Yeah, I like that. And it's like, it, so it's all illusions and misdirection. He's the great and powerful Trixie. Yeah. So it's not about casting a giant fireball. It's about, quick, everybody jump into my cloak, and then they'll like disappear and appear on the other side of the wall where the monster can't get them. Mm-hmm. 
it's stuff like that. And it's kind of the funny thing where it started as a joke, but it's turned into this actually compelling character where, where it's like, oh, it's kind of cool that he has a unique concept here instead of just casting magic missile at the darkness. Yeah, but no, you that could, sounds you could be a cool. bad wizard. That'd be funny too. I don't know what I want to be. Because I've, I've always liked the idea of like a gnome that doesn't do any gnome stuff. He just wants to be an artist. And his parents are like making him go questing to be a gnome. And he's just like, but I don't want to do this. I want to paint. Or, you Wait. know, just, just something like, like, like that where it's really not helpful to the party. That could work too. So yeah, that's that's all fun stuff. You'll figure it out. Um, do you wanna do you wanna just do a glad space? Uh, sure. My glad space this week, I don't. Hmm. I'm pretty happy that my album's almost done. <laughs> yeah, that's something to be excited about. Bar barring anywhere, I have to master it yet. So everything's just is mixed to negative six dB. So it's not. Not done yet, but it's close. And you can but like you can pre-order this on iTunes. It'll be free. It. I have the Bandcamp page saved. I'm probably gonna try and figure out where else I can just easily put it for people to download. Like I put a I put a link wanna... to the Kickstarter in the description below. Yeah, yeah, uh, kind of thing. Um, I might throw a song at the end, if, depending on how I feel. If you want to like deal with that shit, I don't want to be annoying with it because it's. Largely music people probably don't want to listen to. That's fine, because it's at the end. So if you guys don't like it, you can just you can just tr turn it off. Yeah. But yeah, like, I'm... It's nice to be... It's been, like, the last week especially, just, like, cracking the kind of problem with how I was mixing the vocals, fixing that, and being like, okay, now things are actually sounding how I want them to sound. And it, I can't believe it's taken me this long, but also it's the first time I've really done this, so, you know... No, I'm like second it. Try, second album will be better. It's cool. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Uh, my glad space is um, they put John Wick three DLC into Fortnite. <laughs>